Hello and welcome to our latest episode of PwC's Economics in Business podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Ordino, and today we'll be talking about how to capture the wider impacts, whether it's well-being or climate change, in public sector investment decisions. In our last podcast, I talked to Priya and Joanna about how more and more companies are looking to understand the wide impact of their decisions and build strategies around this. In this podcast, we'll be talking about this from a government perspective. So today I'm joined by Alicia Kapoor and Joanna Sikiaridi, who work in our economics team and help government and industry to understand the wide implications of policy changes and investment decisions. Thank you both for joining me today. Hi, Hannah. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, and thanks for inviting me, Hannah. Hi, Alicia. First time. Yeah. <laughs> so kicking off, Joanna, can you tell us a bit more about what the government has been doing to reflect this trend? Yeah, sure. So here in the UK, the government has long tried to incorporate wider impacts, so beyond the standard economic impacts, say like jobs and employment, to its decisions around public spending. And here in the UK, the Green Book and the Magenda Book, which have been around for quite some time and are published by the Treasury, essentially have a set of formal guidelines on how to appraise and evaluate policies and projects to ensure that resources are used to maximize public benefit. They already identify a set of equality and distribution effects as key considerations and describe a set of methodologies that can be used to understand and try to estimate and monetize these wider impacts. And beyond this formal Green Book guidance, what else has the government been doing to use wider impacts in public sector decision making? Alicia? Um, well, for me, there's a couple of things that come to mind. So towards the end of last year, the government actually had a consultation on how to measure human capital. And what I mean by this is, you know, the value of training or the value of co of vocational courses, sorry, that go beyond, you know, earnings and employment. In addition, um, the government's also looking at its own supply chain and trying to think about how they can account for social value when they award central government contracts. So what do we mean by social value? Um, say, for example, you know, the proportion of SMEs in their supply chain, the proportion of underrepresented groups, and assigning a monetary value to this. Also, social value would capture things such as mental wealth and well-being outcomes. And all of these kind of show that the UK government is moving towards, you know, a world where wider impacts are accounted for in their decision making. From what I've seen, New Zealand are leading the way in this with their new wellbeing budget, which requires all new spending to go towards wellbeing goals such as boosting mental health and improving child wellbeing. What does this mean in practice? Is GDP not relevant anymore? Yeah, so you, we usually think of a country's wealth or capital in terms of its financial bottom line, so gross domestic product, GDP. And as you said, yeah, we've seen recently that New Zealand challenged the world to assess it in terms of a different way by publishing its first well-being budget. To the Prime Minister, the purpose of government spending is to ensure citizens' health and life satisfaction and that that, and not wealth or economic growth, is a metric by which a country's progress should be measured. And I think, you know, the Prime Minister of New Zealand said it quite nicely when she said that GDP alone does not guarantee improvement to our living standards, and nor does it take into account who benefits and who is left out. So that's not to say that GDP is not relevant anymore. 
But it is to say that we need to find ways to try to incorporate these wider impacts into decisions around public spending. And Alicia, can you tell us what some of these other measures might be? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I think government bodies are trying to look at how ca they can capture some of these other measures and, you know, try and understand why GDP may not always be a holistic measure. So let me give you an example of another measure. So recently we were trying to help transport appraisers in the UK account for wider societal implications. So transport appraisers look at, you know, what are the impacts of a transport investment? Transport investments can have, you know, implications for the labour market and say could lead to changes in the amount of leisure time a, a person has. This wouldn't be captured in GDP but it would be captured in welfare. And I think this is why there's increasing recognition of what these other measures can do and why they should be, you know, kind of assessed against GDP to try and understand where we should invest our money. And what implications does this trend of accounting for these wider impacts have for firms when making bids for government funding or contracts? So, I mean, if you think about it in practice, most policies investments will lead to material impacts which go beyond the typical economic impacts Joanna mentioned earlier. Um, and it's important for firms to reflect these impacts in their cases. Thinking of, you know, a recent project we've been working on, we've been helping a large UK transport body to develop a business case for smart ticketing in the north of England. So the benefits which typically would have been monetized when looking at a transport investment is time savings. But time savings wasn't the reason why, you know, they were implementing contactless payments in the north of England. It was ultimately to improve customer experience. So actually, these customer experience benefits actually ended up being our largest benefit area. And what's interesting is, you know, 20 years ago, this probably wouldn't have been monetized in the business case. So um, if it wasn't accounted, it could have led to, you know, investment in a program which had lower benefits relative to the costs. And in times, you know, when public finances really are tight, it becomes even more important. So the importance of considering well-being and other social impacts is clear. Let's move on to talk about how you help your clients to understand these impacts. Joanna? Yeah, so, you know, I think the public sector, especially in the UK, has long looked at ways of assessing costs and benefits from a wider perspective. So, you know, often we help them with trying to use tools and methodologies to try to capture these wider impacts, some of which Alicia uh, pointed out just now. And I think similar to our discussion in the last podcast, we've also seen increasing demand from private sector clients looking to understand and communicate their contribution to society. And on the back of that, we developed uh, our total impact measurement and management or team methodology. So I think, you know, from both a public and a private sector perspective, we can help our clients using some of the techniques and tools we've developed to try to estimate and monetize these wider impacts. So what are some of the most common questions that clients come to you with? So I think there's a whole variety of questions, but let me just focus on one and then perhaps Alicia can do the same from her own experience. And, you know, I think the first uh, thing that we help clients understand is their total impact on the economy and society. So how do organizations, policies, investments benefit a whole range of stakeholders from their customers to citizens and society? 
And, you know, just to give you an example, we worked with a large international sports organization who was trying to develop a framework to be able to understand the wider costs and benefits of hosting an international sports event, from economic to societal to environmental benefits. So, sure, I mean, I think another question which clients often come to us with is help, they want help when they're preparing the five business cases um, for investment when they go to government. And what they're trying to do here is demonstrate value for money. So, Joanna and I try to apply this total impact mindset to capture the reason behind their strategic change. So, in the north of England, it was customer experience, as I talked about earlier. For me, one of the most interesting and important um, projects that our team has worked on is your work on homelessness in the UK. Can we talk through that example, Alicia? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a great example and Joanna and I actually worked on it together. So let me try and summarise the question. Um, our client was a UK-based homelessness charity and they essentially had a plan to end homelessness by 2050. So the question which um, the client came to us with was how can we assess the costs and benefits of supporting people and moving them out of homelessness? And how did you go about answering this question? So at a high level, it was essentially developing a set of impact pathways to understand how each intervention would help different groups. So... That's a lot of jargon. So let me kind of take you through an impact pathway. So someone's in homeless, someone's homeless, sorry. And you move them out of homelessness into secure permanent housing. What's the effect of that relative to if there was no change? So it could lead to a reduced demand for temporary housing. That's the outcome. That's what changed. And the impact of this is that there's reduced spending by local authorities on temporary accommodation. When you start to do a number of these impact pathways, it really is interesting and paints kind of a holistic picture of what the effect of the, that change is. Yeah, I think that's a great example that illustrates how you know we use some of our techniques, methodologies and economic theory to help our clients. And you know, I think another example is the one I mentioned earlier where we worked with an international sports organization. Um, and I can give you just a bit of context uh, before I go into how we help them. So, you know, our client was facing challenges in terms of attracting prospective host cities and regions to host these events. And, you know, as we discussed earlier in the podcast, there's limited public resources, increasing scrutiny from taxpayers. And that means that host cities need to be better need to better understand whether investing government resources to host such events represent good value for money compared to, say, investing these resources in education or health. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. A very important um, consideration for governments. How did you help them do this? Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think... Following up to what Alicia was saying, so we help them by trying to develop a framework to be able to capture these wider benefits and costs. And we did that by developing impact pathways to be able to understand how different stakeholders would be affected. And, you know, I think 
the important thing about this is that it enables you to be able to capture costs and benefits beyond economic costs, say, of constructing a stadium or building roads to host the event, to things like, does it have an impact on community cohesion? Can it have an impact on health through increasing sports participation of citizens? So it's really important to be able to use these frameworks to communicate that with your stakeholders, and that can be the citizens or it could be your government partners or your private sector partners. Mm. And actually on that point, so yeah, I mean, that really links to, you know, what we were doing for the homelessness charity in a way. The whole purpose behind our work was to try and communicate to government stakeholders why this plan required funding. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think, you know, as we've mentioned also in our previous podcast, it's often difficult to quantify some of these things. But having a framework and using that to develop case studies, for example, from previous experiences, definitely useful when you're trying to build a holistic picture. Yeah, I'm sure this example will resonate lots of the governments across the world who are facing pressure to allocate limited resources. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the UK government has taken a step towards wanting to understand the full picture when they're, you know, looking at policy changes and investments they make. So what this means in practice is when they're assessing business cases, it's no longer enough for, you know, both the public and private sector to just assess and monetize traditional economic benefits. They have to capture the wider impacts on society. So um, I think, you know, Joanna and I have seen it over the last couple of years. Um, there's increasing demand from clients to capture in the impact, sorry, which, you know, underpin the strategic reason behind a change. Great. I think that's a perfect summary of this discussion, Alicia. And that brings us to the end of our discussion today. If you'd like to read more about the work Alicia and Joanna and the team have been doing and how we might be able to help you develop a business case to look at the wider impacts, have a look at our impact assessment page on our website at the link in the bio. You can also read more about our work on how the government can create a fair and inclusive future for UK citizens at PwC's Future of Government campaign. And before we end, Please remember to subscribe to our channel, Economics in Business, for updates on future podcasts.